I've got a question about um, the word suicide. suicide, but not as it refers to its literal meaning. When uh, when I was a little kid, my brother and I would go to a convenience store or a fast food place where you could fill up your own soda, and when you put different types of soda into your glass, that was called a suicide, and I thought that was just something my brother and I said, but... I guess it's not. Everybody I know says that. And I was just wondering how that word got attached to doing that. Hey man, this is Donnie Baker. And... Red alert, red alert, we're at DEFCON 4. They're claiming September 23rd, the world's fitting down. We can't prove it, but there's everybody's talking about it. Cause all the numbers add up. We're supposed to get the planets lined up with asteroids, um, and it all's gonna meet in a Van Allen timing belt in outer space. Who knows if it's true, if it is true, I say live life to the fullest like Tupac chugging a 40 a Cobra. But who knows if it's even true? If it is true, I'd be out right now taking my boat off the market, swimming in a pool of nipples. I swear to God, getting all the French benefits before it goes dark. But it's so hard to predict the future anymore. More. Good. Cause it used to be, I could go into a bar and tell who was ready to put out. It was like finding the center square on a bingo card. <sighs> but not now. Now there's rumors, but they're hard to verify rumors. I had a rumor the other day that women who wear white pants after Labor Day and they go out to the club in white britches after Labor Day are either on heavy flow or they're in to butt sex. You're either getting top shelf or you're cut off. And sometimes they're hybrids. It's hard to tell. That's why I like getting them back to their car. You get a chick back to her car, she lets you go noodling. Man, I've learned more in the back seat of a neon than anybody I know of. She lets you go diddling or noodling. My bowling thumb's like the car facts on her cookie jar. <laughs> I swear to God, I can tell if there's rust, if she's dry rotted, how many times she's been turned over, all of it. That's why we call Patty Ferguson Sierra Miss now, cause she's a squirter and drove a Ford. Cracking open the natty light, we're twisting another fatty tight, cause nothing tastes as good as that first hit. And working for money that's already spent on nights at the bar instead of the rent, a bender ain't a bender until you quit, and I can't see why we Until the morning's light Cause we don't need No guarantees Live in the now Figure it out when it's right We're making bad, bad decisions tonight Now it's a Tuesday night with nothing to do We're knocking them back and taking a cruise You're only under the influence if you're caught Night's spent three sheets to the wind And most of the days nursing the spins Hair of the dog is always worth a shot Honestly If it were up to me My whole life would be the same mistake on repeat So Keeping it up until the morning's light Cause we don't need No guarantees Live in the now Figure it out when it's right We're making bad, bad decisions tonight 
thing I think of. I think of if only a hurricane had come on 9-11. Remember they didn't, knew right. how, they didn't know how to use instruments, the mm -hmm. terrorists. They, they took off in Boston right. and they literally, after they took over the aircraft, they steered by line of sight. And it was that crystal clear September day. Sure was. And if it were only uh, one of these weather days, history would have been rewritten. In a quick follow-up to Aaron's video on weather modification, I just want to add something that our friend Mark James Levesque brought to my attention. I know it's been reported on before, and I may have even heard the claim, but I never actually went and looked into it myself. On the morning of 9-11, a rather large hurricane, Hurricane Aaron, was sitting off the coast of New York City. In the days leading up to 9-11, Aaron was on track and had been on track for a while to possibly hit New York. It had been a Category 3 the night before, on September 10th, when a sudden cold front moved in that dropped the temperature 10 degrees and Aaron began to weaken, and that morning, that hurricane made a nearly 180 degree turn and went away. That's not the most bizarre thing, I don't even think. The most bizarre thing is watching the weather reports earlier that morning that occurred before the World Trade Center attacks. And you might want to grab a sweater as you head out the door. It's chilly outside. Heat on in the car as you walked out. Really one of the chilliest mornings you've had in quite a while. And it is 10 to 15 degrees cooler this morning than where you were and when you woke up and walked out the door yesterday. And you'll see that we've got clear skies throughout much of the country. Some showers in the northern plains and wet weather down in Florida where they'll be picking up as much as 7 inches of rain in parts of central and southern Florida. Partly cloudy skies in the Pacific Northwest. The heat continues in the desert southwest. 106 in Phoenix. That's what's going on around the country. Here's the satellite radar picture showing the rain that moved offshore thanks to the cold front and that cold front it's a true cold front this uh, this day is going to be beautiful uh, no problems except down in florida a little rain northeast we'll see a uh, little rough seas along the new england coastline from that hurricane that's going away miles and miles of sunshine it is beautiful outside perfect september day with lots of sunshine oh would you look at washington huh I'm going outside today. All is clear and all is fine with the world weather-wise. Now notice how they first reported on Aaron before it became a hurricane at all, when it was just newly forming out in the ocean off the African coast. What you see there is a big red blob which has come off the African coast and is starting to move out into the Atlantic. Clear here in the Atlantic, one major exception to talk about, and that is this wave. This one, I can tell you, has held together, as far as the thunderstorm action with it, or what we call convection, better than any other tropical wave that we have seen so far this season. If we were to just take this part of the tropics, not including the part that I'm staying in front of, we really don't have much to talk about until I move. Not even a hurricane, and that's how excited they are about it. And here's what coverage of a hurricane normally looks like when it's off the eastern coast of the U.S. Let me give you the latest statistics on this very impressive storm as we zero in on Gloria. This is the latest satellite photo, and you can see the top winds now are 135 miles per hour. There are the coordinate positions. The gusts go to 170. The storm is about 500 miles to the south and east of Cape Hatteras, North Carolina. And that storm can take almost any track at this point. And again, here's what magical weather fairies look like. From that hurricane that's going away. And oh, by the way, Aaron just so happened to be part of a weather experiment being run by NASA and NOAA between August 16th and September 24th, 2001, wherein they dropped multiple different instrument packages and assortments of sons into the eye of the storm, part of which occurred the day before on September 10th, right before the hurricane weakened, and switch directions almost completely. Let's hope that this isn't one we're going to be dealing with, say, about eight to ten days from now, because if it is, and it makes it all the way across, there's going to be some problems. Uh, rough seas still uh, from, uh, uh, from the chop from that hurricane, but other than that, it's kind of quiet around the country. We like quiet. It's quiet. It's too quiet. One funny thing I think of, I think of 
If only a hurricane had come on 9-11, and it was that crystal clear September day, sure was. and if it were only uh, one of these weather days, history would have been rewritten, and I think about that a lot. We have begun the time of trouble. And it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Be prepared. This is it. This is it. It is. It is. It is. I'm telling you. So the Lord said to me, Basta. I'm telling you, it's enough. Basta, Satan. against evil. It's just bottom line basics. <laughs> yeah. It's much closer to the end than you thought. That's right. Wow. Be prepared. It's always good oh. to be prepared because you have no idea what tomorrow will bring. That's right. And it's going to come yeah. unexpectedly. Yeah. A desperate end coming to the United States of America. Sure. The sun might plunge into deep solar minimum, which could cause part of Earth's right. atmosphere to collapse. Wow. That's one news. Wow, yeah, wow, yeah. Be prepared. I believe, this is just what I believe. Yeah. I believe That's right. it's not going to get better and better. I want to re yeah. remind you to be ready. There's nowhere in the Bible that it says it's going to get better and better in the last days. Perilous times are coming. Be prepared. The one word that just kept coming back to me from a selfish standpoint was, Lori, if you don't do this for any, anybody else, do it for your five children that were aborted and are in heaven. We are in the final days. Wow. We are in the last days. That's right. You know, what's wrong with stacking some food away? It's delicious. It's tasty. It's seasoned just right. It's not over-seasoned. It's not under-seasoned. Get your food. Start ordering food. This food is the Cadillac of food. It truly is. I got my food. This is the best food. Yes. It's pancakes. It's yes. pizzas. I got my People need to understand they're not getting sawdust and salt and cardboard. Right. You could sit on this pot. You, when you gotta go, you gotta go. Are you listening to me, Grandpa? This will truly help you in a serious meltdown or, or apocalyptic event or whatever you want to call it. Right. Staying alive. Yes. The Bible says a fool That's right. sees trouble ahead and doesn't prepare. Jesus said, there's coming a time when there will be no food to eat. That's right. Am I a fool? Yes. People don't realize how much work goes into convincing the public that climate change is real. Studies, conferences, documentaries. It's all a tireless effort by the global scientific community to pull the wool over the eyes of the general public. Getting every single scientist in the entire world to propagate the lie that human activity causes global warming is a colossal undertaking. 
Well, at first we had to make sure everyone was on the same page about fossil fuels. A lot of researchers initially wanted to push the idea that burning natural gas makes the Earth irreversibly colder. Even worse, some didn't want to focus on the environment at all. They just wanted to push the hoax that fluoride was slowly poisoning our children. Those early days were really tough. Well, luckily, we were able to make progress thanks to organizations like the Sierra Club, which streamlined the global warming lie into one clear, singular message that really made it much easier to pull one over on everybody. The 1992 Kyoto Protocol also did a lot to legitimize our conspiracy. It was a huge deal to have almost 200 countries come together to agree on crackpot terms like CO2 emissions and the ozone layer. Once celebrities started throwing their names behind the whole scam, things really took off, and we've had people eating out of our hands ever since. This is a report published last year that says 20% of the Antarctic ice shelf is gone. It's co-authored by scientists from the National Institute of Ecology, MIT, and Oxford, and it's all bullshit. But luckily, the media bought into our scam pretty quick. At this point, the whole con can run itself. The legwork on this has been truly astounding. You don't even want to know how much planning has gone into making sure the Great Barrier Reef looks like shit. But surely if politicians used words like holla, swallow back, check this out, all my peeps in your cribs, all your mofos out there, swallow this, booyakasha wagwan, then people would hear it and understand, didn't it? Hey man, this is Donnie Baker with my State of the Unions about this NFL thing. All goes back to Kaepernick. See what you did, Kaepernick? You started off as just one little herpes blister, and now it sounds like people are popping bubble wrap because of you. And today, if more teams take knees, more fans are going to go away. The world didn't end this week, but I think the NFL did. I swear to God. Mark my verbs. I'm done with it. And what cracks me up is you guys won't stand for the bangle, but every year you borrow our F-14s and stealth fighters for your pregame shows. And I swear to God, drape a flag a hundred yards across the field and wiggle it like they did that one on the moon just to give you goosebumps. But then they play the anthem and you guys get on bended knee like boys to men in an encore. These colors don't run. You want unity? Study these woofs. Rock, paper, scissor right in your face. And that's how we should be. But now, and LeBron, nobody cares about the NBA neither. I swear to God. I don't need the NBA or NFL when I got PBR and ACDC at the ready. So, hell, if I was seven foot, I'd make a stuff shot too. Everybody brags about, oh, I got drafted, got a signing bonus. Our heroes, our real heroes, got drafted and went to Fort Knox and then Saigon. And guess what? Come scoreboard time, we're going to support them because they protect us. You got no chance when you rise up against Mother Bear. Ever. I got plenty to watch. I'd... I'd I'd rather be a fluffer at a queer gangbang than watch NFL again. And if that makes me gay, okay, maybe I'll watch them on tape delay, but never live for 60 minutes ever again. State law. I couldn't do that on my job. I couldn't, you know. Mr. D's meat market, I had to wear a bow tie. I tried to get out of that shit. Even put it on my resume, I was Muslim, but I still had to wear the bow tie and an apron. And if I tried to piss out of that, they'd cut back my hours. Same time I worked at the drive-thru. No matter how much my inner core wanted to flip off every Ford that came through there, I'd still hold their Frosties upside down, serve them like regulars. I got plenty to watch. I don't need this shit. Okay? My Sundays just got better. Got this yard. Got Pornhub and ex-hamsters. And they don't stop for a replay every five minutes to see if somebody got two feet in. I loved it once, she's starting to break. Life we won is being given away. I'm losing faith, I hear the preachers say. 
Treasure the past, it's the American way Never been the sort to head downtown It's too much color, too much sound Father could see this, burn it all down It was sacred to him, this American ground The modern world has got me up on the wall They call it living, I'm hardly living at all In times of trouble, I pray to God that I never have to take it too far So raise the flag over your heart with your hand Hear the call and heed the command Living my life with my head in the sand Praise the Lord, I'm an American man Praise the Lord, I'm an American This is Donnie Baker, and I've been conducting some experiments because I've been watching YouTubes and trying to decide if the Earth is flat or if it's round. There's a big debate called Flat Earthers on YouTubes. Look it up. And people will laugh, and they'll chuckle, you know, same way they did Lewis and Clark when they discovered the Alamo. Well... The fact remains, think about it. If the Earth is round and rotating over 600 mile an hour, by the time I throw this common Nerf ball up and it hits the ground, it should be eight miles over. But it ain't. It's, the fuck is it? <laughs>
Maybe it is. There it is. And some experiments. I've got a common level and a bottle full of Zima. Mother Nature's Nectar. These are minerals they've ground into liquid form. It's making a comeback. Because there's a big debate on YouTube about whether or not the earth is flat. I swear to God. It's called Flat Earthers. And I used to date Teresa Reynolds. We used to call her the throw rug because she was flat and dirty and you could lay her down anywhere. The fact remains, you can call me an oxymoron if you want, but if the planet Earth is spinning like this, how come this level ain't spinning like this? If the planet Earth is spinning round, that could mean you could fart in fast forward. If the planet Earth was spinning round and he's below the equator, you could smell your farts again. I swear to God. None of this makes sense. The fact remains, Mexicans who are migrating over here could go left and save themselves about four to ten hours. Think about it. Trump's going to have to build his wall two-ply. So... You know, and I never believed much of this. I had a girl once give me a tuggy trying to explain it. I swear to God, she was twisting the top of my head like this. And then at the base, she was grinding the opposite direction, trying to explain how Earth works. Twisting the top and grinding the bottom. I said, would you give me a tuggy or trying to make fresh ground pepper?
I'm going to start with a disclaimer. Uh, this week I've heard a lot of people talk about uh, nonviolent communication and compassionately talking to people, and I talked about that in my seminar that I did a few days ago. And I just want to warn you that this morning I'm going to be abrasive and offensive and say swear words. Now that might lead you to assume that I disagree with all those people who said those other things, and I actually don't. And so I hope you're not so offended that you run out of the room before the end, because then I'm going to explain why I'm happy that different people use different approaches. Voltaire is quoted to have said that if you want to find out who rules over you, find out who you're not allowed to criticize. And most Americans these days will say, well, sure, that, that applies to tyrannical regimes and stuff, but here, we're allowed to criticize anybody we want. We're allowed to say bad things about the people in power and, and stuff like that. And to a certain extent, that's true. Uh, for the most part, you can bash the control freaks at the top of the authoritarian empire, and they won't kill you. Every once in a while they will, but usually they won't. However, there is a form of censorship that is more effective and more insidious than old-fashioned state brutality of you criticize us, so we're going to beat you up. And that is the censorship that comes from people censoring each other, from people being indoctrinated to a point where they don't allow others' opinions that clash with things that they were trained to think and assume and basically worship. And I think a good measure of what people dare to say, what people to dare to discuss, and sort of the limits of what you're allowed to say in, in polite company, or even impolite company, is the way comedians talk. Because a lot of comedians go out of their way to be edgy and push the envelope and be as offensive as possible to, to make people laugh. So where are the areas that they won't go? I mean, they'll talk about poop, and they'll talk about sex, and they'll talk about whatever they can think of that might offend you and make you laugh. But there are places they won't go. Now, admittedly, they will bash politicians. Most of them reserve it for bashing right-leaning authoritarian collectivists and give a pass to the left-leaning authoritarian collectivists, which is a little bit pathetic, but, oh well, at least they bash some of them. And... Some of them will even bash some police, but they usually put in the pathetic bootlicking disclaimer of, well, I'm not saying all police. Most police are brave men and women who yada, 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 blah, 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 but some of them are nasty. So uh, they'll go that far. But there are things they won't say. There are people and there are concepts and beliefs that most comedians, no matter how offensive they like to be, don't dare to say. I'm here to say those things today. And uh, I can think of no better example than uh, fuck the troops. Why do people think that hired mercenaries are so holy and sacred that we're not allowed to point out bad things about them? Everywhere you go, in the news and on TV and on the radio, everyone worships the troops. It's on, you know, stores say, oh, we'll give you a special discount if you're a hired murderer of the state. And you're not allowed to come out, you're not even allowed to come out and point out and show video, look, here are the U.S. troops committing murder. Well, you're a horrible traitor for pointing that out. Because we've been indoctrinated to worship a gang of people whose job it is to go to the other side of the world, blow shit up and kill people, and heaven forbid you ever criticize the people who do that. And imagine if they did that here. So much of, of statist mythology and, and statism, if you apply it in any other context, it's, it's as, you can see that it's as utterly insane. For example, somebody says, hey, yeah, I, I, I work hard to protect you. Okay, what did you do? Well, there was a bad guy the next neighborhood over. Oh, and you went and stopped him? Yeah, well, how did you do that? Well, we strafed the neighborhood with bullets for about a month. We dropped several tons of bombs on it. We killed two or 300 civilians, but we got the bad guy. Now, who would say, wow, thank you for your service. Thanks for protecting me. Nobody would say, you're a fucking lunatic. Stop doing that. And when people do that to brown people on the other side of the world, it's just as fucking evil. So fuck the troops. And for the people who want to say, 
but, but my son is a Marine. How could you dis... Maybe you should have fucking taught your son morality instead of blindly obeying the evilest people in the world when they send you to be mercenaries on the other side of the world. Then I wouldn't have to bash him. But they're fighting for our freedom. How much of this statist bullshit are people going to repeat before they think about it? Yeah, because the guy in a cave in Afghanistan, he was totally going to come over here and conquer and enslave all of us if not for the brave U.S. troops driving around in Humvees on the other side of the world. Yeah, they were definitely going to enslave us. How does anybody believe that? And I made a video called, uh, oh, I forget what it was even called, but about what, are, what do you think the troops are protecting us from? What do you really imagine? What do you, literally describe what you think would happen if there weren't U.S. military bases all over the frickin' world. Who do you think is going to come here and forcibly dominate 300 million Americans, 100 million of whom are armed. It's a total freaking joke that we need a military at all, and it's utterly insane to say they fight for our freedom when they work for the one organization that is actually a threat to the freedom of the American people, which is the United States fucking government. And as many people have pointed out, if the troops were actually interested in defending our freedom and in upholding their oath to defend the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic, they would all be invading DC. I can't believe he would, he would criticize the troops like that. They are out fighting for freedom and spreading democracy. Well, since that came up, <laughs> fuck democracy. Democracy is a nice term for the majority violently oppressing a minority. And we're taught that that equals freedom. The best example I can think of, of democracy, pure democracy, direct democracy, is called gang rape. And it's not okay. It's not okay for the majority to force its will on the minority. And of course, what it actually does and we all know this, but most of the world thinks, yeah, democracy is how we, how we work out our differences. Democracy is what keeps us at war with each other. It keeps us clamoring to government. Please force my neighbors to fund what I believe in. Force them to behave the way I want them to behave. Meanwhile, the neighbor is saying, no, 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 force him to be what I want him to be. Democracy is not freedom. It's the exact opposite. It makes perpetual warfare, and it always will. Now, some people are going to say, this is not a democracy, this is a constitutional republic. Don't worry, we'll get to that. <laughs> so in addition to their fighting for our freedom, which is bullshit, and they're spreading democracy, which A, they're not doing, and B, if they were doing, would be evil anyway, one of the most ridiculous things is they're fighting for our flag. Well, since that came up, <laughs> whoops, where is he? There's lots of things to insult. I'm missing one. Fuck your flag. What? He's insulting old glory, stars and stripes? Yeah, I am. Do you have any freaking idea what it is you're worshiping? Well, to me, it represents freedom. Well, to me, it represents tuna noodle casserole. But what does it actually represent? If it represented freedom, would it be flying in front of every office of the biggest extortion racket in the world, the IRS? No. Is anybody who says it, it means freedom complaining about that? The fact that it flies in front of every DEA office, ATF office, the TSA, it's on all their uniforms, the US military, it's on their uniforms. Does anybody point out, why is it that the oppressors of, of the US and the world were the symbol of freedom? on their uniforms, because it's not the symbol of freedom. What is it? I'll give you a hint. It's a hint you've heard about seven bazillion times. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. A republic is a ruling class. When you pledge allegiance, you are swearing loyalty 
to your political masters. It doesn't have a goddamn thing to do with freedom. It has to do with Stockholm Syndrome and swearing allegiance to a bunch of control freaks. That's what the flag means. That's what the flag actually represents. It means the territorial jurisdiction of a ruling class. Fuck your flag. And since republics came up, constitutional republic, that's what makes us great and unique and, and yeah, well, fuck your republic. I was taught for the longest time that that's what makes the U.S. unique. We have a, a constitution. We get to vote, yeah, but it's a democratic republic. And we have a constitution with a bill of rights. And that makes us special. That makes us unique. That makes us great and free. And I'm ashamed to say it was only a few years ago. And by the way, anybody listen to this, you can do painstaking research, as in spending three minutes on Google to confirm what I'm about to tell you. Democratically elected constitutional republics with a Bill of Rights, that has been the most dangerous, destructive, oppressive, murderous institution in the history of the world, far, far above anything else ever. And if you don't believe it, let me give you a few examples. Most murderous regime in history, Red China, also known as the People's Republic of China. Yes, they have a constitution. Guess what? Their constitution says they're all allowed to vote. Guess what else? Their constitution has a Bill of Rights. Communist China is a democratically elected constitutional republic. Number two, Soviet Union, also known as the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. Yep, has a constitution. Yep, it lets them vote. Yep, has a Bill of Rights. The Weimar Republic. Now, most of America is ignorant enough to say the what? Nazi Germany. It's the thing that turned into Nazi Germany, which was completely constitutional. The Weimar Republic was a democratically elected constitutional republic with a Bill of Rights, and they brilliantly put in a line that said, if things get really bad and there's an emergency, the head doofus gets to suspend civil rights. And guess what? He did. And we got Nazi Germany, thanks to democratically elected constitutional republics. And what is the cliche example today of the most oppressive backwards regime on the planet? North Korea, also known as the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. Look up the frickin' Constitution. Yes, they have one. Yes, they're allowed to vote. Yes, they have a Bill of Rights. No, it didn't do them any fucking good. How dare he blaspheme our Constitution? People talk as if it's actually sacred, and it demonstrates the fact that statism really is a religion, and it really has dogma that people aren't allowed to think about, they're not allowed to question. And so, while we're at that, fuck your Constitution. And when I was growing up, I was taught the mushy-headed thing that the Declaration and the Constitution were sort of the same thing written by the same people and more or less, you know, freedom, yay, hurrah, hurrah. And it was only many years later that I realized, no, the Declaration was pretty dang close to being an anarchist document because the whole point was, hey, you guys who think you have the right to rule us, in that case, the British Crown, screw you, you're not the boss of us. Whereas the Constitution was, we're now the boss of you. And I didn't know for the longest time that the main people behind the American Revolution hated the idea of the new Constitution. Thomas Paine, the author of Common Sense, and Patrick Henry, good old give me liberty or give me death, railed against the Constitution and said this is going to be worse than a king very quickly. And guess what? It very quickly became worse than a king. And now on July 4th, you have the ridiculous spectacle of a bunch of Americans waving an American flag which is a little bit weird because there wasn't an American flag on July 4th, 1776. There wasn't a frickin' United States of America yet, but never mind the foggy-headed stupidity. They're also waving a flag of an authoritarian empire that was created after the Declaration said, we don't like this authoritarian empire, and they're waving the flag of an authoritarian empire that is now many, many times worse and more oppressive and intrusive uh, and unjust than King George ever was. Yes, a constitutional republic was a step in the wrong frickin' direction from having a king. That's how bad they are. 
And it cre that lovely constitution created the biggest authoritarian empire in the history of the world, with the biggest war machine in the history of the world, and the biggest extortion racket in the history of the world. And constitutionalists are saying, but if we try it again, it might work. No, it frickin' won't. And by the way, when you sound that, you know what, when you say that, you know what you sound like? Communists. Well, constitutional republic didn't work in the US, or the Soviet Union, or China, or North Korea, or any of the other places, but they just didn't do it right. Well, gee, where have I heard that before? If your theory fails every time it's applied to the real world, maybe your theory sucks. Minarchism sucks. It doesn't fucking work. I can't believe he's bad-mouthing our country. It's unpatriotic. It's treasonous. Well, since we're on that, fuck your country. And fuck your loyalty to your country. The idea of a country is what it actually means. Again, it's the territorial jurisdiction of a ruling class. And loyalty that, to that is trained into the subjects of every empire, every ruling class. They train their subjects to think, we're great, we're awesome, we're special. It really is, patriotism is Stockholm Syndrome. It is feeling an attachment to your political enslavers. And when I ask people, okay, you say you love your country, what the hell do you mean? Is it the people? I mean, there's a bunch of people there that are pretty dang cool. There's a bunch of people there that are obnoxious and a bunch that are downright evil. So I wouldn't draw a line around them and say, these are the good people, but when you go over the line, that's the bad people. That's utterly stupid. Or do you mean the land? There's lots of pretty cool land, but if you step over into Canada, it's still pretty cool. Like, what are you loyal to when you talk about loving your country? What is it that you actually love? And they don't know. They've never thought about it. I didn't think about it when I was all patriotic and a statist. I never thought about it. And it never occurred to me that the entire purpose of getting somebody to feel loyalty to their political jurisdiction they live in, it's like loyalty to your slave plantation. I'm proud to be a slave on this plantation instead of that worse plantation over there. It's a divisive thing. It's about dividing people and having people be at odds with each other. My country's better than yours. And both sides do it. So yeah, patriotism is not at all a good thing. And, and it, again, it makes people say and believe stupid things. Love it or leave it. Which, at least that's not quite as bad as my country right or wrong. Which is, I'll be loyal even if we're the evil guys. Like, okay, so people don't say that much anymore, but they do say, love it or leave it. Well, do you apply that to, like, your car and your house? Hey, dude, nice car, but your, your, your left rear wheel it needs air. If you don't like it, you can get out. How about if somebody points out evil shit going on in your country, you try to fix the evil shit instead of bitching at the one who pointed it out? But no. But no, we need, we need blind loyalty to our masters because anything else is treasonous. This guy sounds like a traitor. He's, he's, he's an offense to all of us decent law-abiding taxpayers. Well, since that came up. <laughs> fuck law-abiding taxpayers. Every tyrannical regime in history was funded and manned and carried out by law-abiding taxpayers. It is nothing to be proud of. And people don't even, again, people don't even think about the terms they use, law-abiding. That doesn't mean good. It means you're doing whatever the hell the politicians tell you to. Taxpayer. That doesn't mean you give your money to good things. It means you give your money to politicians. It is the essence of Stockholm Syndrome to be proud to say, I do what the politicians tell me and I give them my money. And that's what law-abiding taxpayer means. Every regime, every army, government, government doesn't create any wealth, it steals it. It steals it from law-abiding taxpayers. Now, I can sympathize with people who, who get robbed and out of self-preservation go along and they give you know, the handover money, like you know, the victim of a carjacker. If a carjacker steals your car and you give them the keys to avoid getting your head blown off, it doesn't mean you advocate carjacking. And for the people who you know, pay up to avoid being caged or robbed or whatever else, I can at least understand that. But when you 
when you express pride in it, that's utterly insane. Well, I'm proud to pay my taxes. No, you're not. That's the lie you tell yourself to deny the fact that you're a victim. You're enabling your abuser. And that's why I, I use the term uh, battered citizen syndrome. Because that's really what it is. It's, it's an exact parallel. Is well, yeah, they steal our money and they boss us around and they do all this evil crap. Well, how about we don't have them? No, 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 we can't. I don't know. I can't even picture life without them. And they really love us and they really care and they're trying to take care of us and they'll, they'll probably be better soon. And it's sad. It's funny, but it's sad because that's what the American people do. That's what the people of every country do is they make excuses for their oppressors. And then they take pride in being law-abiding taxpayers and pretend, we're proud to pay my taxes, really. So if there wasn't a threat, if you were just left in freedom, you'd spend hours filling out long, stupid forms and then give a giant pile of money to the federal government and a pile to the state and a pile to whoever else, really? And you'd pay for every single thing on the list of, of on what's in the federal budget, really? You'd do that voluntarily? No, you wouldn't. You're lying to yourself and you know it. Even if there's some things that you would fund voluntarily, first of all, the government version is always idiotically inefficient and corrupt, but even if there's some things like, well, roads, I wouldn't mind paying for roads, cool. What do you mind paying for? Everybody has things that the government does that they don't like, which means everybody who pays taxes doesn't really want what they're forced to pay for. So to pretend I'm proud to pay my taxes, it's, it's sad. It really is an expression of Stockholm Syndrome that I'm going to pretend that I'm going along with this. I'm going to pretend that I like this while I'm being abused because it's too embarrassing to say, yes, I'm a pathetic victim who lets my abuser do whatever the hell he wants to me and I do nothing to resist, not even speak out, not even condemn his actions. And that's what it is to express pride in being a law-abiding taxpayer. It's to express pride in being a slave and that's just sad. So yeah, fuck the troops, fuck democracy, fuck your flag, fuck your republic, fuck your constitution, fuck your country, and fuck law-abiding taxpayers. Now, I would like to do a drastic downshift. Put something more pleasant up there. A lot of people, if they heard this rant, or if they read some of my articles or saw some of my videos, um, one being message to the voting cattle, which is almost as rude as this talk today, but not quite. A lot of people who believe what most people believe and have been taught to respect law and authority and yada, 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 and have been trained into statism will respond to this by saying, he's so hateful and he's, he's so intolerant and it's so divisive. And that shows just how profoundly warped their perception of reality really is. And I can understand why it sounds like I spend so much time being against things, because I am against things. But the reason I'm against things is not from hatred, it's not from intolerance, it's not from trying to be divisive, it's the exact opposite. Government and the belief in authority and democracy and all the things I was talking about, those are based on hatred and intolerance. The word tolerate doesn't mean you like it, doesn't mean you approve of it, it just means you allow it to exist. Nobody who votes for a political master is tolerant. Nobody. Because you are always trying to empower somebody to force your will and your preferences and your values onto others. That isn't tolerance. And the fact that you've been taught that, well, if you do it this way and call it democracy and vote and, and it's legal, then it's okay. No, it's not. That's the mythology you were taught to trick you into advocating evil and thinking you're compassionate and tolerant. And it's mostly the political left that loves to wear the label of compassionate and tolerant. And I love to point out to them, yeah, you're, you're caring and you love other people and, and you voted Democrat and you like the welfare state and... So you're some of the people who voted to have me put in a cage for a year for not paying tribute to your political masters. Thanks for being so compassionate. I really appreciate it. And of course, Republicans do the same thing. All candidates do the same thing. Everybody who votes for a politician wants me violently forced 
to fund whatever they think the state should do. And to be open and fair, I did that too when I was a statist. I voted for people to be robbed for what I thought was important, for what I thought was needed. Meanwhile, I would bash them for trying to vote for people to, to rob me for what they thought was needed because I was a total freaking hypocrite, as every single statist is. Eventually, I noticed the contradiction, I noticed the hypocrisy, and I started to whittle down what I believed in. Government, all right, yeah, involuntary taxes, that's not okay. Um, and it can't really have a, a monopoly because if somebody else says, well, I'll, I'll exercise the right of self-defense for you for a fee, you know, they have the right to do that. So it doesn't have a monopoly, it doesn't have a territory, it doesn't have... And I whittled away and said, there, now I have the ideal government and said, that's not government. I whittled off all of the things that made it count as government, and then I realized I don't believe in government anymore. I can't. It's impossible for it to be legitimate and moral. How dare you? How dare you? Uh, very powerful stuff. What more do you want? My contention, my personal opinion, this is my basic metaphysical axiom, shall we put it that way, that existence, the physical universe, is basically playful. There is no necessity for it whatsoever. It isn't going anywhere. That is to say, it doesn't have some destination that it ought to arrive at. So then, in music, though, one doesn't make the end of a composition the point of the, comp of the composition. If that were so, the best conductors would be those who played fastest. <laughs> and there would be composers who wrote only finales. <laughs> People go to concerts just to hear one crashing chord, because that's the end. <laughs> Same way in dancing. You don't aim at a particular spot in the room. That's where you should arrive. The whole point of the dancing is the dance. Now, but we don't see that as uh, something brought by our education into our everyday conduct. We've got a system of schooling which gives a completely different impression. It's all graded. And what we do is we put the child into the corridor of this grade system with a kind of, come on, kitty, kitty, kitty. And yeah, you go to kindergarten, you know, and that's a great thing because when you finish that, you'll get into first grade. And then come on, first grade leads to second grade and so on, and then you get out of grade school, you go to high school, and it's revving up, the thing is coming. Then you're gonna to go to college, and by Joe, then you get into graduate school, and when you're through with graduate school, you go out to join the world. And then you get into some racket where you're selling insurance, and they've got that quota to make. And you're going to make that. And all the time, this thing is coming. It's coming. It's coming. That great thing, the, the success you're working for. Then when you wake up one day about 40 years old, you say, my God, I've arrived. <laughs> I'm there. And you don't feel very different from what you always felt. And there's a slight letdown because you feel there's a hoax. And there was a hoax. A dreadful hoax. They made you miss everything. By expectation. Look at the people who live to retire and put those savings away. And then when they're 65, they don't have any energy left, they're more or less impotent, and uh, they go and rot in an old people's senior citizens community. <laughs> because we've simply cheated ourselves the whole way down the line. <clears throat> we thought of life by analogy with a journey, with a pilgrimage which had a serious purpose at the end. The thing was to get to that end. Success or whatever it is, or maybe heaven after you're dead. But we missed the point the whole way along. It was a musical thing, and you were supposed to sing or to dance while the music was being played. Now, go find the others. Dot com. Click here to subscribe and live forever.